Well, it is Pentecost, and the joy of Pentecost is hearing, one of many, I should say, is hearing that familiar passage from the second chapter of Acts. And so I invite you to hear these words or read along if you prefer these words of the coming of the Holy Spirit as it blesses first Jesus' disciples and then so, so many more. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed him, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, no, no. This, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on each of us. Fall afresh in such a way that these Words, this holy and living word would take life within us. Fall afresh on us, God, 
in such a way that in worship we would find ourselves renewed in the empowering work of your spirit in the call that you have placed on each of us. And so, God, I pray in these moments that you would speak through me and, if need be, in spite of me, so that your word alone would be heard. Amen. So this week, um, I've had a unique privilege of getting to share a little something from Scripture three different times. And aside from that alone being a bit uh, unique, but the fact that it's the week of Pentecost has been something that I've been excited about ever since I knew that would be the case. But, but it also meant that as I was preparing, as I was looking ahead to this week in particular, and of course not least, not least knowing that this would be my last Sunday sermon here at Trinity, I thought about it from kind of a different perspective, a new perspective for me. You know, what, what was I going to share Wednesday night at the 635 service? What would I offer Friday morning for the devotional? And of course, what would I preach on Sunday morning? And, and I can sum up basically that, that new perspective, the first time I've really wondered about it with, with the question, and it, it's this, why isn't Pentecost a bigger deal? I mean, why, why is it sort of, at least compared to Christmas and to Easter, why isn't Pentecost a bigger deal? Now, think about it with me for a second. What Pentecost is, it's the day that we recognize and celebrate the gift of the advocate that was promised by Jesus descends. The Holy Spirit falls upon the disciples in this miraculous image and experience of tongues of fire. And they begin to preach. And divisions of nationality and language are miraculously overcome. And in that connection, that God-empowered connection on that day, the, the beautiful promise and call as Peter begins to preach... God declares, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Christmas is a big deal. I mean, it should be. I'm not, I'm not objecting to that. Incarnation, the gift, the birth of our Savior. Christmas is a big deal. And Easter, Easter is a big deal too. And again, it should be. Days after the crucifixion, an empty tomb is revealed. The power of resurrection, death is defeated, Christ is risen. Oh, really? Are we so far from Easter? All right, let's try that again. Christ is risen. Okay, thank you. See, I got this line here, and it says, see, even Methodists have a chant going for Easter, and, and I had to prompt you, so I don't know. Anyways, the point is, Easter is a big deal, and it should be. It should be. But Pentecost, it's not so much. Yet, it's the moment when Christmas and Easter come together in such a powerful and incredible way. It's a moment when the gift that that incarnate and risen Jesus promised to his disciples becomes available and it makes the incarnate and risen Jesus available to all. 
Not, not just the wise men and the shepherds who visited the stables to witness a newborn baby. Not just the disciples who were in ministry with him once upon a time or the thousands and thousands of people that Jesus shared himself with, healing and feeding and challenging and loving them. The limitations of time and proximity and language are overcome through the gift of the Holy Spirit. It marks so much more than just the the beginning of the church. It's the moment when that new covenant promised and established by Jesus, a covenant of grace, is made available to us all through the power of the Holy Spirit. So see, it is. It's kind of a big deal. And yet it doesn't hold the weight or the, the festivity of Christmas or Easter. And here, let me just say, first of all, don't get me wrong, I'm not looking for another big holiday in the life of the church. Two is plenty. Some of you who I work with on a day-to-day basis are sweating, wondering what is he getting us into here. That's not my point. Two is plenty. We don't need more in that sense. And I'm certainly not asking for yet another assimilated holiday whose carols and decorations I have to wade through in every store I go into for two months before it even happens. But I still wonder, why Christmas and Easter and not Pentecost? And I think I've cracked it. I think I know why. And and here it is. You see, Pentecost, though beautiful, though wonderful, Pentecost is also scary. It's beautiful. And it's intimidating. And for many, Pentecost is, yeah, thank you, Grace. That was perfect timing. For many, Pentecost is terrifying. See, it's one thing to come together and worship and to celebrate, to to sing, come let us adore him and joy to the world while we lift candles high to light a darkened room, to hear the familiar refrains of the hallelujah chorus, to stand before a cross covered in flowers and hunt candy-filled colorful eggs. It's another thing entirely to hear the very good news that all people have been blessed, that no one is omitted by the power of the Holy Spirit, and to also hear in that miracle that all people have been sent. All people are called to be at work for the kingdom of God. No one is omitted through the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work. I think Pentecost is scary, because it's harder, because Pentecost gives us our marching orders. And if you think I'm exaggerating, if, if terrifying feels like too strong a word for you, let me remind you what we declared together in worship just a little bit ago. As we commissioned several folks who are headed into the work of missions, we spoke these words together. We commit ourselves individually and act as a community to the way of Christ to take up the cross, to seek abundant life for all humanity, to struggle for peace with justice and freedom, to risk ourselves in faith, hope, and love praying that God's kingdom may come.
Now, of course, I can only speak for myself, but even in my best moments, when I feel absolutely committed to this call, its colossal reality is terrifying. And so this is the moment. This is the moment in sermon preparation and in sermon uh, delivery where the message itself reaches a fork and there's a choice to be made. It could easily become, and let's call that this path here, it could easily become a so get to it message, right? All right, you've heard it, you've been called, go do it. And that's a good message. Don't get me wrong, I'm not making fun of that message at all. We need to hear that, we need to be reminded, we need to be encouraged. And in part, but you know what, today, I wanna, I wanna look down and head down the other path with us. And I name both because I want you to hear, I absolutely believe that these paths run parable, uh, parable. No, this is not a parable. I don't know where I got that. I meant parallel. But the paths run parallel to one another because the call to be sent, the outward missional movement of the church, of you and of me, is, is intimately, it's, it's symbiotically connected to the inward movement of worship and discipleship and community. To do one without the other is to miss out on half of it. <laughs> And so I want to begin as we head down this other path with one of my favorite passages. This is from one of John Donne's meditation. And quite frankly, the reason Bobby is coming up here is because these words deserve a better reading than I can give them. And she has graciously offered to share them with us. So please, Bobby, thank you. Thank you, Ben. I think you're a very adequate interpretive reader. More than that, I think you would agree with me, but I'm honored that you invited me to share this with you. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if a promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friends or thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved with mankind. And therefore, Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Thank you, Bobby. Those powerful and likely to many of you familiar words from one of Dunn's meditations just always hit me so hard. Dunn, in the last decade of his life, fell ill and wrote, this is one of many meditations and devotions that he wrote, um, looking ahead and thinking about this and the ways that his life experience, and in particular his faith, spoke to the fact that he understood himself to be a part of something more than just himself. In fact, earlier in the same meditation, this one is uh, number 17, I believe, he, he writes that, um, that when the church baptizes a child, 
that that child is now a part of a family that shares the common head of Christ, that we are now connected in a new way. And that the, the, the vast diversity of experience of others are not things that separate us, but the very tools that God uses, the very tools that God employs to be at work for God's kingdom in the world, the very diversity of what we call the body of Christ. No man is an island entire of itself, but a piece of the continent. We are more when we are the body of Christ. And the body of Christ, which is, as we learn from Paul, nothing less than the continued presence of Jesus in the world and is formed and continues to be formed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that part of the reason of this radical and miraculous community that is being formed at Pentecost, this first day that overcomes all of the barriers between them, even language, is an example of how we come together through the Holy Spirit. And as Dunn reflects, I want to say that this body of Christ as the Holy Spirit is in work, without just one of you, without the, the person, the gifts, the challenges, the truth of just one of you, this body is diminished. So what do we do with that? I mean, what, what do we do with that? How then shall we live? And I'm not jumping back over to this path. It doesn't, okay, now I'm ready to say get out there. But, but there's a sense of what do we do with, like, like what does that mean for us? And, and I have a thought about it. But first, uh, just a, a quick story. A few weeks ago, I was sitting down in front of the chapel on Friday morning. I was setting up my tripod. This is the spot that I love to do the devotionals uh, on Facebook Live. And, and as some of you may know, Fridays are my day off, and that means I don't always primp and preen as much as maybe I should. Um, and in fact, I'm very thankful for uh, the capacity to keep the camera from just here up. It's not odd for me. Well, maybe it's odd for others to see it, but it's not rare for me to show up in shorts and sandals below the collar. But it, you know, you can't see it, so you'll never know. Um, but on this particular day, I, I, I logged into Facebook and I got it ready and, you know, my watch is telling me, okay, it's time to go. And I pulled up the Facebook live post, I'm getting ready to do it, and I pulled my hand away after pressing go and my hair was ridiculous. I mean, like, I don't know what I did. I looked like I just rolled out of bed and some Fridays that's actually quite possible. But the point is, is that I looked like... Like, yeah, it was ridiculous. And I realized I either have to make this what the devotion is about or I have to fix it. And I went with fix it. And so the first few seconds of the devotional, I'm like this. And I couldn't help not say something about it. Y'all know me. And so I just said, hi, my name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors of Trinity and I am having a bad hair day. Now I thought then that would be the last of it, right? And then a few days later, I got this. This is a picture that my friend Veronica drew for me. And if that isn't the sweetest thing that I have ever gotten, I don't know what is. 
But Veronica, who happened to be watching that particular devotion with her mom, decided to draw me this picture and write on it in two places, no less, that I have good hair, not bad hair. Now, here's the thing. I thought this was absolutely wonderful. I love it. I'm probably going to frame it. But even more special is this, I think. I was talking with her mom a few days later. And Kathy shared with me, you know, Veronica just doesn't like it when her friends speak bad about themselves. She told me that whenever one of Veronica's friends says something bad about themselves, she goes out of her way to correct them. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, isn't that beautiful? And here's the thing. That's a gift. That's a gift in the person who is eight years old, who desperately wants to let people know something different than they might be espousing or saying or thinking. It's a way that she offers herself to our community, the ways that she loves others, the ways that she lives out this unique person that God has and is creating in her as a part of this body of Christ. And that's how, my friends, that's that's how the Holy Spirit continues to live in and through us. It doesn't always have to be grand gestures or headlines, but sometimes and often it's the day-to-day moments, the conversations, the touches that support and encourage one another. And there are countless, countless examples as I look out of the ways that you do that, that you have done that, for the ways that your giftedness, your person has been lived out as a part of the body of Christ that is Trinity. See, the thing is, the call to go out to do all the good you can, to, to witness, to serve. It is. It's, it's intimidating. But that outward movement is intimately connected with the ways that we support one another and challenge one another and grow together as the body of Christ. And there are no limitations to the ways that through the power of the Holy Spirit we can live out our true selves, the unique gifts that we have to support one another and challenge one another and grow together. And my friends, I got to tell you, I know, I know that to be true because that, if nothing else, that is what defines my time here at Trinity. For three years, it has been my privilege to serve as your pastor. And you have blessed me. Through you, through your gifts, your, your living into this body of Christ that we share, I have grown, I have healed, I have felt encouraged to become more of the person that I believe God is creating. And I am grateful beyond measure, beyond words, beyond anything. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for who you are and who you seek to be and for the ways that God is at work through you and the ways that has played out in my own life. Thank you. And I'm reminded 
of Romans 8, 14, which says simply, God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. But I'm reminded by that first that, that it begins with one another, that we know that such a call exists, that we know that we are capable of being a part of it being lived out in the world. And I also think of that passage because I know now for a time where I am being beckoned, where I am being sent is a part. And it is, it is hard to leave, y'all. It is hard to leave. But I, I also feel joy in the midst of it as well. Because, because I know that going from here, I go from here changed. That this body, that you has offered itself to me. You have offered yourselves to me. You have changed me. And so my prayer for each of us is, is just that you would continue. Continue to live out who you are in the name of God and through the power of God. Live out your gifts. Live into this community. Share them with Marissa. When she comes, share them with one another. Be bold through the power of the Holy Spirit, so that starting here and growing throughout the world, God's kingdom may come. Hallelujah and amen.